Welcome to the Michigan Minds Podcast, a quick and informative analysis of today's top issues from University of Michigan faculty. Thank you so much for joining Michigan Minds. I'm so excited to have you here today to talk with me and help me and our listeners learn so much information. Can you please go ahead and introduce yourself and share a little bit about your role at the University of Michigan? Sure, and thank you for having me today. I'm excited to talk a little bit about youth participation and youth civic engagement. So my name is Katie Richard Schuster. I'm an associate professor in the School of Social Work. I also direct our undergraduate minor programs, which is a minor in community action and social change. Um, and that's a really exciting space to be and also allows me to kind of see um, engagement and empowerment and action at the undergrad level. My main research work in the School of Social Work focuses on youth participation and youth empowerment. I'm really interested in thinking about how to support young people to have a voice in their community, to identify the issues that matter to them and think about the strategies that they can take to engage in action and to make a change. I do a lot of work in the area of youth participatory research and evaluation. And so that's the idea where young people are, are asking questions that matter to them and are part of developing the knowledge um, that they can then use to help drive the kinds of changes that they want to see. And that's really exciting because I think so often research is done on young people. Um, and we know a lot from kind of what adults think young people would be interested in or kind of asking questions that they think might matter, but it's totally different when young people are driving the knowledge and are kind of at the center of being able to ask the questions that matter to them. And all of this work really starts with the idea that young people are experts in their lives and that they are strengths and assets in their community and that we as a society, our communities, our institutions, our societies would be better if we had an opportunity to really listen to what young people think, what young people need, the ideas that they have, um, and be able to kind of utilize that information to drive changes um, in the policies and programs that affect them. So it's, um, it's an incredible opportunity, I feel like, in my work to listen to young people locally and nationally, uh, and even sometimes internationally, to be able to kind of hear what matters to them, um, to think about the issues that they're really passionate about, and then to help them to think about how they can realize those kinds of changes. It's really incredible work, and it sounds like it really hones in on, you know, it, it would make individuals, youth, feel empowered in their own sense, and then also help empower the community to really come together and see the best path forward for everyone. Yeah, I think um, just on that note, like a lot of the, the work that as my kind of work has evolved over time, it's, it is both about engaging with young people directly and helping support them to identify the issues that matter to them. But it's also about thinking of, you know, kind of more broadly about what facilitates and supports young people in communities to participate. And a lot of that comes down to thinking about who we are as adults and the roles of adults um, or the roles of teachers, the roles of um, kind of community leaders in helping to support young people. Um, and also kind of what does it mean to create the spaces where young people can thrive? And so that's, you know, kind of a piece of that is also um, really thinking about how do we create environments um, in which young people can really identify those issues and, and, and take action and feel empowered to create those changes. So as we've 
you know, lived through a pandemic for, you know, the last year and a half, how has that impacted that feeling and that participation of those young learners within their own communities? Yeah, I think, you know, I think that the pandemic, I mean, there multiple different ways and in really complex ways. And, um, and as I was kind of thinking through this question, you know, I mean, I think for many young people, the pandemic has been so hard. Young people have been isolated. It's been very traumatic. They felt very um, disconnected from their friends, from their families, from their structure. They have faced, you know, for many young people have faced um, trauma of the um, effect of COVID-19 on their, on, on their lives, on their families' lives, or on the kind of economic fallout from having job loss or facing um, eviction. I mean, so there's so many kind of traumatic experiences that have faced young people, just the complete disruption, the loss of kind of whatever they had felt as normalcy, any kind of normal experience. So I think on the one hand, of course, we can't think about youth participation and the impact of the pandemic without recognizing and acknowledging that that is a huge part of what what so many young people have experienced. On the same hand, though, we've also seen that, that the impact of the pandemic has also been a space where young people have begin to emerge and and, um, and take action in their community. So they've seen issues in their neighborhoods, on their streets, in their school districts, and they've worked to kind of to create programs to um, help volunteer to develop local drives. So we've seen this kind of groundswell of very, you know, kind of localized examples of young people who are taking action and using the challenge um, as an opportunity for, um, for change. And so you see that, in fact, I was just looking in the um, one of the online, um, the kind of localized uh, newspapers, uh, Ann Arbor newspapers, and there was about a middle school and a high school student who have come together and launched a school supply drive um, on their own without like a whole organization around them. They're just, it's something that they see as a need and it's a huge need in this upcoming year. Um, and they've found each other and they've launched this and encouraging other people to participate. So I think we see this kind of example of um, young people who are also inspired to be engaged and to do the local drives, to get involved in um, organizations, to set up mutual aid opportunities, to develop fundraisers. And so you also kind of see this moment where young people see this need and are finding one another online or kind of in their neighborhood. And even despite the pandemic, um, we're creating these opportunities um, for, for, for them to get engaged and for others to get engaged. Um, and then of course, you know, additionally in the wake of the George Floyd murder, you know, many young people, we saw many examples of young people at the forefront of activism. You know, e even if they couldn't leave their home, they were online, they were engaged, they were um, activated, they were holding discussions. Um, but then we also saw many examples um, locally and nationally um, and internationally of young people leading change um, in the streets and, and in their local communities um, around anti-racism, um, activism and organizing. So I think you see this kind of double message, right? Of, of on the one hand, there's a, there is a huge and rightfully so of young people um, and, and the, the extreme challenges that they um, have faced um, and the trauma that they faced. But then on the other hand, we also see really incredible examples of young people who are emerging and organizing 
um, and can really be a, a, a source of inspiration as we as we think about moving forward. Reflecting on that resiliency that so many young people have demonstrated through their continued commitment to impact positive community change is really, really makes you see how, how incredible that this, you know, generation really is to still manage through this, you know, global pandemic and come out in the end with all of these fascinating and wonderful ways that they're trying to really change and their environment. I found for some of the young people that I work with um, or programs that I'm, I'm connected to, that the young people, they continue to want to meet on Zoom on Saturdays, on weekends. And it was a place for them to, you know, it was partially a place for them to connect to an identity that was so important to them. Um, but it also um, enabled them to keep moving work forward. And, um, and in some ways, it's interesting because when I think about the, some of the major challenges to doing youth participation work um, in my own experience, transportation is a huge piece of it. And with Zoom and the kind of the, even though they were on Zoom for school, and you know, of course, it depends on their ability to have internet connection, which we know is not um, is not the same for all. But but for those um, who were able to have that kind of internet connection, Zoom created this this whole other world for them to continue to organize in new ways that were almost not possible before because of the idea that we always had to be face to face. So it was really interesting to see young people kind of be creative in the ways in which they could connect with one another and how it continued to move forward their ideas and they moved to digital kind of filmmaking or online trainings um, with one another in a way that that we couldn't have, I, at least I wouldn't have thought was possible, you know, prior to prior to the pandemic. So now with, you know, some, some more recent lifts in some of the in-person restrictions, and the upcoming plans for many schools to return to in-person learning this fall. What strategies and approaches are there that teachers and community leaders can use to continue to engage these youth both inside and outside of these in-person settings? So I think one of the things that I would say is to recognize that it's it's going to take time and that there needs to be a slow process. And we always talk about in social work that we need to start with where people are. And I think that that's going to be true for young people. We're bringing young people back together. For some young people, there's a there's a great deal of fear coming back into public spaces. And, you know, again, there's been so many young people who have faced so much trauma that's that's just going to be there. Um, and it's going to make it that much more difficult. Um, we have other young people who have, you know, just have been so excited and are just waiting to come back. So you're going to have people, at, young people at very different spaces. So thinking about kind of how the process can be slow, take young people, you know, where they're at, um, and really focus on the importance of relationships and community building. Um, and I think that's going to be true for us here at the university is really spending time to rebuild those, con the connections, rebuild the relationships, rebuild the classroom community, because um, it's through those relationships and through the process of community building that young people can begin to kind of connect a little bit deeper, start to start to know each other, start to raise possibilities, start to innovate, start to inspire one another. But that all starts with that ability for those kind of connections. And I know that's going to be difficult because with the various kind of academic pressures that people are facing, there'll be the 
I think there'll be a lot of desire to kind of jump back into the academics and kind of try to get back on track. And I think we'll be really missing this opportunity um, if we just kind of focus on that. We're going to miss the opportunity to think about what's possible when young people can have opportunities to learn, to listen, to hear each other's stories, to understand their differences, and then to think about the, who they want to be in this world and what kind of changes they can make. And if we can create those kinds of community building experiences and just take that time and that pause to really focus on that, then I think, you know, really, really interesting things could could emerge. Um, but so my advice would really be to kind of acknowledge that there's going to be a lot of stress, that there's going to be a lot of fear, that there's going to be a lot of differences, um, and recognize that this process will take time. But if, if, but if they can focus on the relationships, if they can focus on kind of thinking about how to build back that community, then I think that would serve them well for engagement over the long haul. Can you share some details about your current system-wide youth participatory evaluation project? Yeah, so um, so as I said before, a lot of my work focuses on youth participatory research and youth participatory evaluation. So the idea that young people are experts in their lives, are experts in their experience, and so really, who better to be asking questions about their you know their environments than young people themselves? And so um, a lot of the projects um, that I've been involved in are kind of in are working in that space. And so one that I've been um, really lucky to have worked with for a number of years is a is a project um, in which it's working with a, a major school system and in that school system they've had multiple different kinds of challenges um, and so instead one of the responses has been to to develop teams of young people in each of the middle schools and high schools to ask questions about how to improve their school climate and school um, and school culture and school experience and so instead of having that come from as it does in most places, a group of adults who are kind of forming teams and saying, how do we make this school experience better for young people? This school district said, why don't we ask young people who are experts in this experience and who are facing, you know, kind of facing the you know, challenges or, um, or kind of negative school and school climates. Um, why don't we turn to them and ask them to help develop new ideas and new policies um, that we should be looking at or, or changes to practices. So in this um, situation, these teams meet in the fall and they develop almost like a research agenda for the, for the whole school district. Um, and they then develop their own individualized projects in their schools that are gonna address a specific question. And then they develop, they learn about different methodologies from focus groups, to survey development, to photo voice, which is the use of pictures, to different kinds of creative methods. Um, they've done videos, they've done kind of dramatic pieces, they've done kind of cool things like, um, like voting boxes and lunchrooms, but different ways to collect that information that they come up with, but they learn the kind of the skills so they're gaining capacity um, in that way. And then they use that information to, they do the analysis on their information, they come up with their results. Um, and then each of these teams comes in the spring to a summit where they share their findings from their individual school districts. And then the team at the school district that is kind of the main people running the program, they, they kind of lump them into themes. Um, so it might be things around school dress codes, or it might be things around teacher-student relationships, or 
um, or what kind of students see related to kind of what they want in their classrooms or related to academic expectations. So they do kind of sets of presentations to one another, but then collectively they kind of generate, they kind of look across these individualized projects and generate bigger themes um, for the district. And so they leave that summit with kind of a with a platform of priorities of policies and practices that then gets fed back to the district. So it's really this incredible process again of young people asking questions about their school experience because they're experts in their lives and and being able to kind of think about what what they need and then engaging other young people and helping to answer that using that information to develop local ideas for their own school but then having that be fed back into a district process so that information can be heard by um, school board leaders and kind of central administration of the district so it's really it's it's really been an awesome project to be involved in um, i've been helping them both think through the process and kind of work on different approaches as well as helping them to document their learning from it because we think it's a really powerful example of what other school districts could do in, in creating a systematic way to include youth voice um, in in school policies and practices that's really amazing to hear that you know there is this focus on bringing their voices to the forefront and really crafting so much around the experts of their own their own lives so Unfortunately, we are coming to the end of our time, but before we go, um, I like to ask all of our wonderful experts who come on to Michigan Minds this question, and it's often one of the more difficult ones I've found. If you had to pick one piece of information for our listeners to take away from this amazing conversation, what would it be? I think that if I had to pick one piece of information uh, that I would want all the listeners to, to take away, it's really to, to listen to young people and listen authentically. And what I mean by that is um, it's really easy to listen to young people and say, yeah, you know, good idea. Oh, that's so nice. Well, oh, what a cute idea. I mean, you know, I think we all we all have done that in different kinds of ways, but that's that's so dismissive and so demeaning um, to young people to kind of to, to treat them as if they're kind of have a cute idea or you know an interesting idea but then we kind of turn and we do something else um, or we kind of it goes in you know kind of one ear and, and 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 out the other so listen authentically really take the time to do that to kind of engage with a young person in your life we can all do this like we don't have to be in a in an administrative role or a policy role or a community role um, you can talk to your kids you can talk to you know young kids in the neighborhood you know and and just take that time to create an authentic experience where you're really listening and asking them ask ask them about the pandemic what do they feel what do they think you know, how are they going to feel about kind of going back to school what ideas would they have to make the experience easier. And I, I really truly believe that if we just took that time to really authentically listen um, and to and to take young people as experts in their experience um, and to see them as assets, like they would give us incredible information um, because they have incredible ideas. They have incredible things to say. We just sometimes some young people will just say it and just, you know, are kind of always, you know, kind of the first ones to do it. And other young people need to be encouraged 
Um, they need to have kind of that opportunity and they need to feel that they're trusted, right? Because so many young people have been told that their voice doesn't matter. So we need to kind of create that opportunity for, um, for people's voices you know, to matter. But if we, if we just could take that time to, to do that authentic engagement, um, I really do think that, that we would have, that we could create changes. And so that would be my one piece of advice is just take the time to, to, to build a relationship with a young person and, uh, and listen to their ideas um, and, and then see what happens. I think that that's a wonderful note to end on. Dr. Richards Schuster, thank you so much for joining Michigan Minds. We sincerely appreciate your time. Thank you so much for having me. Listeners can learn more at publicengagement.umich.edu. We will share a link to Dr. Richards Schuster's profile in the notes and on the public engagement website and any additional information about her and her research. Thank you for listening to the Michigan Minds podcast, a production of the University of Michigan. Join the conversation on social media with hashtag UMichImpact.